Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. God bless you. Come on, guys, welcome Ian to the platform. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. Well, if you've got your Bible with you, I would like you to open it up in two different places. One is Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And another is Psalm 77. Hebrews 12 and Psalm 77. And I want to go ahead and begin reading from Hebrews. And this is really the heart of my message today. Paul writes, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's talking about the the heroes of faith, the people that have come before us, whose stories are recorded in the scriptures. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, Paul is saying to throw off everything that hinders us. Now he's saying sin, maybe sin habits, mindsets or addictions or whatever, But he's also saying just anything else that trips us up. And today, I really want to begin to focus in and hone in on that. And my message today is just called, let's get over it. Let's get over it. So, many years ago, I had a particular issue that was going on with me. And this wasn't necessarily a sin struggle, but it was something that was keeping me down. It was something that wasn't allowing me to be the man of God that I am created and called to be. And I had this this irrational fear to go anywhere by myself. It was very, very weird. It was very, very weird. I was afraid to go to like grocery stores or to go to other places or even to drive to places alone. It was probably spawned from the fact that I had two older brothers that were with me every time I I went out and they were always with me throughout my entire childhood and through my teen years. And they were always taking care of me. They were always watching over me. And one day as they were just moving up and moving out and doing their own thing, I kind of realized like, I don't have their protection. I can't lean on them for for, uh, my day-to-day life. And it was it was really embarrassing and I didn't really tell anybody about it, but I was slowly just taking baby steps to really get over that issue until one day I just gave it up to God. And I was just so frustrated and I was like, God, just help me with this. I'm over it. I want to get through this. I want to get over it. Now it was, uh, I was at home and I live in uh, the Benbrook area And my car was here at the church. 
And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to walk from my front door all the way to the church. That way I will get over my fear of being alone. And so I didn't tell my mom because she would have freaked out. But I just walked to my front door. And now it's, it's a 12, 13, 14 minute drive to the church. But I looked at my, my, uh, my phone and it would take three and a half hours to walk from my home to the church where my car was parked. And I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. So I decided I'm just going to start walking. And I did. It was like, I think it was like one o'clock or two o'clock. Probably not the best time to do something like that. And I just started walking and walking and walking until I started to feel that, that irrational fear claw at my heart that I needed to turn back, that this wasn't a good idea, that something may happen and no one will be able to help me. And I was like, no, I just got to keep moving forward. I got to keep walking forward. I got to get over this. And I remember there was a halfway point that I reached where I realized that if I turned back now, it would take just as long as it would take for me to get to the church where my car is so I can drive home. So I might as well finish this. I continued walking and walking, and then I made it to the church, and I made it to my car. Of course, this is just a silly thing, but for me, it was like I had conquered a dragon. I felt like a different person. I felt transformed. And since then, I haven't had that irrational fear that tugs at my heart that I can't do anything by myself or I can't go anywhere by myself. Now, I'm so thankful that I had that opportunity to do that and to get past it. And I think a lot of us too, there may be something in our lives that's tugging at us that won't allow us to be the men and women that we're created and called to be. It may be a sin issue, could very well be, or it could be just an irrational fear. It could be just a a mindset that cripples you and keeps you from freedom. Or it could be a wound from a friend or a loved one many years ago that just still aches and it won't heal. Or maybe it's a sickness or something that keeps you from being healthy. Or it could just be a situation that you're going through right now that you need a miracle. Well, my encouragement today, I think we should just take a stand And let's just get over it. Let's get over it today. So before we really begin to tackle these obstacles and these issues in our lives, I want us to know three things. Three things that make us, well, I really, really just makes us disqualify ourselves from seeing a miracle. One is God is not punishing you. Because of this issue that's going on, God is not punishing you. The next is God God has not abandoned you. The last is you're going to get through this. You will get through this. And I want to go in detail and talk about those three things. First off, God is not punishing you for the situation that you're going through. Now, there's a very interesting story in uh, the book of John. John recounts this very strange interaction that he and the disciples and Jesus had with this blind beggar. 
this blind man who was blind from birth. And the disciples, they walked up to this blind man and they were trying to make sense of the suffering of this world and the situation that this man was going through, just like we do. And they said, hey, Jesus, is it because of this man's sin that he was born blind or was it his parents' sin? Now, how many times do we do that to ourselves? You think, God, is this because I made this mistake? Is this because I I hurt this person? Is this because I've lived my life a certain way that I'm, you're punishing me. You're making me suffer. But Jesus corrected them and he took this funny theory and he debunked it. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might, de- might be displayed in him. Now, Jesus then took some dirt and he spat in it and he put this mud over this man's eyes and he said, go wash in the specific place and you will see. And so the man did and his sight was brought back to him. It was an amazing miracle. But this miracle not only benefited him, but this miracle benefits us 2,000 plus years later. Because we know that God doesn't, he's not waiting for you to make a mistake for, for him then to punish you and to, to push your face down and say, this is what you did. You need to fix your ways. I'm gonna make you suffer until you repent. God isn't like that. And Jesus said, this man, he's blind so that I can do a miracle through him and so that the works of God may, may be displayed through him so that not only he is healed, but we're healed too. So really, there's nothing disqualifying you from your miracle. There's no sin issue disqualifying you from your miracle. So let's get over this. Second thing is God has not abandoned you. Oftentimes we feel like that, like God has abandoned us. God has left us. We feel alone. And what I want to do is I want to uh, go and I want to look at Psalm, Psalm 77. The Psalms are a best, like the best place to, to look at and to read whenever you feel like, well, you feel like you've been abandoned. You feel like all your enemies are around you. You feel like there's no hope because these, these authors who, who wrote these amazing poems and songs of praise, they, oftentimes went through those things and they wrote them down. And by going back and looking at these ancient songs, we can encourage ourselves and we can see how they encouraged themselves in the Lord. We can also see how, what appropriate prayer looks like too. Because prayer isn't just, oh God, I love you. Give me some things that I want. Goodbye. God wants you to interact with him. God wants you to to wrestle with him. God wants you to share your heart to him. God knows what's in your heart, but he wants you to vocalize it because God is the safest place to do that. And God actually cares and he wants to fix your issues. In Psalm 77, the psalmist writes, 
Will the Lord reject me forever? Verse seven. Will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? How many times have you felt like that? Like God is withholding his his mercy and his grace from you. Maybe because of a a mistake you made. You feel like God's rejecting you. You feel like God is finished with you. These are normal emotions to feel, but these are lies of the enemy. And it's good to vocalize it to God, but then to move on. In verse 10, this is where the the psalm really shifts. He says, Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yet, yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. So what he does is he gets out the emotions and the thoughts that he's feeling. He feels like he's abandoned. He feels like he's forgotten. He feels like he's not wanted. He feels like he's disqualified. And he's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this to the test. And I'm going to look back at the word of God, at the heroes of scripture. And I'm going to see how God acted with them and what God did with them. And I'm going to see if these words are true or if they're not, based on what God has done in the past. And now he goes into this very, very poetic, this, uh, this very, um, it has a lot of amazing imagery, this incredible miracle that God has done. And it's kind of vague as to what he's specifically talking about until the very end. So follow along with me. In verse 16, he says, The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard and the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Through your footprint, though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now, what in the world is he talking about? A lot of really interesting imagery and visuals. So let's kind of dig into this and see exactly what he's talking about. The first thing that he talks about is the waters. So there's a body of water, a, a sea or, or something like that, that sees God and trembles and quakes and moves and splits. And then he talks about storm clouds and thunder and lightning and rain pouring down and a whirlwind. 
and how the waters receded and moved away because of God. And the biggest hint we get is you, is he says, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Okay. So he's talking about the Exodus. He's talking about whenever the children of Israel had been redeemed from Egypt and slavery, yet they were, they were between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies. And now they had to figure out what to do, yet there was no solution. There was no way through. They had to get through the sea, but there's no way through the sea. And so God came and he did something miraculous. He made a way where there was no way, where no one could ever make a way. And he split the waters and they passed through. And that moment, I'll bet they felt like they were abandoned. They probably felt like they were overlooked as they were seeing Pharaoh come to take them back into slavery. They may have thought that this was an oversight of God's. But God made a way and he brought them through. And that was his chosen people. And if you've given your life to Jesus, you are part of that group. You are his chosen people. He's going to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way, where it's impossible for anybody else to make a way. So the psalmist, he feels rejected. He feels abandoned. And he realizes God is going to make a way. It's going to be okay. I give that to God. I give these feelings, these emotions, these thoughts to God, these cries. And I'm going to see what he does with it. So since God will never leave us, he'll never forsake us. I think it's time for us to really just get over this. There's another really cool verse that I would like to read to y'all. And this was an encouragement from Moses to Joshua as he was about to go and, and, and state Joshua as the new leader of Israel. Moses, after a long life of seeing all kinds of miracles, after seeing God do impossible things, Moses said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified of them, the Canaanites, the people living in the promised land. For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And those words are for you now. Let me read it again. And take it personally. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, because of your obstacle. For the Lord goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The difference between then and now is God is more intimate with us than he was with them. God walked with the children of Israel. He guided them. But God now lives inside of us. It's way more personal now. 
God's spirit abides in us. And he doesn't, he doesn't just tell us what to do and, and he doesn't just give us a set of rules, but God actually gives us the ability to do those impossible things. He empowers us, he transforms us, and he makes us more and more the people that he's called us to be. The last thing is you're gonna get through this. You will get through this. I want to talk about a a character in the scriptures, a hero of faith that had his life turned upside down. His name was Joseph. He had a very promising future. He had a large family, a loving father. But all that turned around whenever his brothers got jealous of him. And this little prank turned into really Joseph's life being ruined, or so it seemed. They wanted to kill Joseph, but instead of killing Joseph, they wanted to make some money off of him. So they sold him into slavery in Egypt. And they told his dad that he was killed and eaten by a wolf. So Joseph is presumed dead by his father, who has to grieve for his dead son. And he's taken into slavery and torment in Egypt. Yet through all this, Joseph doesn't complain. Joseph is given work and he does the work with all of his heart. And so God gives Joseph favor and Joseph can feel that God is with him, even though he's going through obstacle after obstacle. What's frustrating about the story of Joseph is that whenever things start to go okay, then a new thing comes. Joseph is elevated in his uh, master's house and he's overseeing everything. He's been given favor. And then whenever his master's wife comes to him, she thinks that he's something special and she wants to get with him, but he doesn't want to dishonor his master. And so he's like, no, 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 I reject your advances and runs away. And then this woman accuses him of sexual assault and then he's thrown into prison. His life was destroyed and ruined once again whenever things seemed to be going okay. And now he's in prison, back at the bottom again. And Joseph continued to trust God and he continued to move forward. Joseph was given work to do And even in the prison, and he just worked. He did everything diligently. And then Joseph was then given favor by the prison prison warden so that he was overseeing the rest of the prisoners. Joseph didn't have a chip on his shoulder. He just continued to move forward. And all this culminates to where Joseph is then pulled out of prison And because God had given him an ability to interpret dreams, he now is second in command, not over his master's house, not over the prison, but over all of Egypt. And he's enacting a plan to save not only Egypt, but all the surrounding peoples from a famine, a terrible seven-year famine. So Joseph is given wisdom by God and now he's 
practically royalty. Joseph let the past be in the past and he continued to move forward. He wasn't crushed by the weight of the situation that was going on around him. He continued to move forward and to press forward and to trust God and God continued to give him favor as he diligently worked at anything that was brought before him. And then the, the drama of the story kind of comes up whenever his brothers come and they're begging for food in the middle of this famine because they have no more food, but they don't recognize him. And Joseph plays some games with them and, <laughs> and he tricks them. And then whenever his brothers come back, he, he brings them into a, a private place. They're terrified because they just see him as some, some Egyptian royalty. They think that they're in trouble. And he goes, hey, I'm your, your little brother that you sold into slavery. And his brothers were terrified because now they had wronged a, an Egyptian royalty and their lives were pretty much forfeit. And Joseph, instead of getting revenge on his brothers, which he was entitled to do, he didn't. And he did something else. He said, hey, I want you to get all, all of the, the family and I want you to bring them into Egypt. We're gonna take care of y'all. He said that, you guys, what y'all intended to do, what you intended for evil, God has turned around into good. And he has done it to save lives. Now, for all you know, this obstacle and this thing that you're going through not only just benefits you as you get stronger and you learn and you grow, but it may be to save other lives through your testimony. So if you're ready to make your past be a testimony, then let's get over it. Last, I really want you to begin to dream again for the future. Stop dwelling on the past. and Start to embrace the future that God has for you. And Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Since 2020, I've felt like I personally have been going through, I think I've been like in survival mode. I went through a lot of my own personal stuff of friends leaving and work being difficult. I know we all have, things have changed. But some of those things are still weighing down your hearts. Some of those things are still entangling you. Even if it's not sin or a sin stronghold or whatever, you don't have to be spiritual about it. It's something that weighs you down. Maybe it's just a mindset of the best days are behind us. I think it's time to get over it. I think it's time for us to take a stand together. Let's get over this. Let's get over this. Let's begin to dream again. 
as Paul writes, let's set our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Take your eyes off of your circumstance, even off of what's going on around you, the storm going on around you and off of your past and look to Jesus. He's the God of hope and he will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So what I want you to do, if you're ready to get, to get through and to get over some of these obstacles and these mindsets, these things that entangle us, I just want to pray with y'all. If you're ready just to receive freedom, receive healing, if you're ready to, to live again, then I want you to pray this prayer with me just along with everybody else. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. You've not abandoned me. You want me to get through this and that you have something beautiful in store for me. Lord, I give to you my situation, my difficulty, this mindset, this wound, this sickness. And I pray that you turn it around. You make a miracle happen. You make a way where there is no way. Do the impossible. I thank you, Jesus, that you've done this before and you'll do it again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.